Welcome to the teaching ministry of pastors Carl and Cheryl Thomas. Our favorite verse is Habakkuk 2.14, for the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Consumed by that revelation, we are committed to recognizing, resourcing, and releasing high-impact ministries resulting in global glory, transforming lives to impact their world. We have a teaching that will impact you today. Now, let's get right into that word. We're going to go through 17 verses of Colossians right now, Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to jump in that, going to, you know, uh, precede it with some explanations and a few things, but we're going to jump into the first 17 chapters of Colossians chapter, 17 verses of Colossians chapter 3, all right? All right, there's a Sunday school teacher. He asked his class, he said, look, uh, if I sold my house, my car, my big garage, had a big garage sale, and I gave all my money to the church, would that get me to heaven? And all the kids shouted out, no! And he went, wow, this is good. I've been teaching these guys well. He said, if I cleaned the church every day, mowed the yard, and I kept everything neat and tidy, would that get me to heaven? And they said, no! He said, man, I've taught these kids good. So he said, again, he said, well, listen now, if I were kind to animals, I gave candy to children, I don't know if that works, but, but if I loved my wife and I, I loved everybody around me, would that get me to heaven? And they went, no! And he said, wow, these guys are good. He said, so he said, now tell me, he says, what will get me into heaven then? And one of the boys stood up and he shouted, you got to be dead. You got to be dead. And that's actually going to work into what we're talking about today. You got to be dead. Turn to your neighbor and say, you got to be dead. Okay. All right. Now, we got some troubles in the world today. How many know that? How many know that London, actually, I just heard this week on the news, that London has the biggest uh, opioid, is it opioid, is that how you say it? Uh, I mean, those painkillers, I mean, we got more people addicted per capita in London to this whole opioid crisis than anywhere else in Canada. Isn't that bizarre? We got stuff going on. How many, how many are addicted to opioids today? Just all heads bowed. I mean, I remember I did surgery on my elbow, and I, they put me on some... Uh, you know, the Percocets, which aren't quite as bad as uh, those, but uh, I was enjoying them so much, my wife took me off them after two days and said, you can suffer. And I was like, my God. She said, said I don't want to see you enjoy those too much. But, you know, but when she had her feet done, two weeks, she was hardcore, just down in those. Kevin said, if you got pain, just take whatever you can, because pain is evil. And so I didn't take them away from her. I didn't even, you know, try to take a few myself. Anyways, I didn't take them away from her. But, you know, she actually had a bit of an addiction. Even after two weeks, she went through withdrawals just when she started coming off it. So terrible stuff, huh? So show me a slide here. But, uh, you know, it says that prescription opioid industry around abuse and dependence carries a high cost in America. This is from uh, the journal, a medical care journal published by Walter Kluwer. He said that it's costing the American society about $78.5 billion. That's what it was last year, estimated that, 78.5 billion a year is what that crisis is costing. Did you know that the whole gross domestic product, the whole, whole gross domestic capital of Haiti is less than 8 billion? So in America, over almost 10 times the gross domestic product of Haiti is blown up in this whole crisis of opioid use. That's just one issue in our society. I'll give you another issue right here. Here's another issue. The gambling industry on the world is huge, but the biggest market is the United States where gamblers lost a staggering, 2013, a staggering $119 billion was lost by gamblers in 2013. That's from This Week magazine, February 5th, 2014 issue. That's another 119 billion. Now, I didn't want to do a search on some other stuff because I just didn't want to open up my computer to uh, any other possibilities. But they say one of the worst stupid things today is pornography and the sex trade and all those things. Billions and billions and billions of dollars is going because people are desperately unsatisfied. People are desperately unfulfilled and people are going through all manner of stupid things and cravings and addictions because they just don't feel full. They're grossly empty on the inside. Let us pray. <laughs> it's pretty tough out there. I mean, you got people who may look like they're pulling it together, but they're not. Not to mention relational conflicts, how much money gets spent on, you know, uh, lawyers and all these other things because of relational conflict and family issues and all these things going on. But there's such brokenness in our world today. But, you know, Jesus came 
to give life, abundant life. He came to seek and save the lost. He came to restore people to their father. He came to give us life and life to the absolute fullest amount. We folks, we right here at River City, right here, we have the answer to all of these issues in the world today. We really, really do. And you see, in Colossae, Epaphras, he started this church, and when he started this church, it began with a simple message that Jesus really is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus really is, and a simple identification, as Cheryl said at communion, a simple identification with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ will totally set you free, not only set you free, though, but open you up to the fact that he is going to flood you and fill you with the fullness of God himself. Now, all kinds of people embraced that simple message. People came into the church in Colossae, but then other people who came in who accepted the message of Jesus, they just found it a little too hard to believe that just Jesus is the answer to everything. I mean, just believing in the finished work of the cross, just that identification with Christ is going to satisfy everything in your life. They found it too hard to believe. And so they began to add to it. It's Jesus and, you know, the Jewish laws. You have to do those too, and you got to do those because if you... If you accept Jesus, but then you obey the laws, you position yourself for more of the fullness of God. And that's rubbish. Then there are other people that said, yes, it's Jesus, but then you need these mystical experiences because you got to come out of the flesh. you got to come away from the evil, anything attached to the world. You have to have these outer body experiences, and you have to be attached to the spirit world because actually everything physical is evil, and you can't change it. And so that was a weird teaching. So there is Jesus, but then you need this other stuff. And then there was straight-up ascetics. They said, now you got to be careful what you eat. you got to be careful what you do. you gotta, you got to put the flesh under control, and you got to... Ascetic teachings, and there was all manner of nutty stuff. And then there was knowledge. It's all about knowledge. There were so many things that started to come into church that this young pastor went back to Paul. And he says, I got a problem over here. I mean, these people don't think Jesus is enough. These people are trying to add to Jesus all kinds of other experiences and stuff. And I'm afraid that the message is going to get missed up, missed altogether. So he called Paul. He said, what are we going to do? And Paul said, I'm going to write a letter. I want you to go back with it, and I want you to read it in Colossae, and I want you to send it around, and I want everybody to read it. Paul never visited this church. He'd never seen the people face to face. But he was so concerned about what was happening in this little church that this deception, this cheating spirit will rob people of the fullness of Christ if we don't address it now and right away. And you could say, wow, that was really rough in that little church back then. The same things are at work in the church today. And it's not just in, you know, high church or nominal church. It's also there's some charismatic nuttiness that goes on that tries to pull people away from the simplicity of their identification with Christ. Yeah, that's true, but you need this stuff too. And if you're really going to get close to God, anything that says you're not close to God, anything that teaches that you're at a distance from God, it's a false doctrine. Anything that puts a cavity between you and God is not the gospel because the gospel didn't just give you access to God. It put you in God and it put God in you and you can't get any closer to God than you are right now. When you become a believer, as Cheryl said, she used that word in Christed. When you become in Christed, it is done. The fullness, the it is finished that he cried at the cross. The fullness of all that he is gets put in you by faith. In the beginning, in the middle, and in the end, it's all a journey of faith, not works in any way. Never. So nobody can boast and say, I'm a little closer than you because I did this. That's rubbish. Everybody has front row seating. And the front row seating, how did you get to the front row? The blood. How did you get to the front row? I believe I've exercised faith in the finished work of the cross. And I didn't do it on my own. I didn't do anything at all to achieve this. In fact, you have to empty yourself. That's why the poor in spirit are the first. It's when you say, I am poor and desperate, you get to see God. But then, guess what? You're not poor and desperate anymore because you've been in Christ. And Father, Son, Holy Ghost, woo! And I'm right in the middle of the package. Now, if your mind is going, that's because something in you is resisting truth. And you got to put it down. 
gospel. He sends back this letter. He sends a letter that asserts the supremacy of Christ. Christ is above all, in all, through all, does it all. He is over every single thing. And then he says, because of that, he is absolutely sufficient to do what he said he would do. And all of my sufficiency is in Christ because he is supreme and preeminent over every single thing. So what we get is that Jesus is Lord over everything. Therefore, he is able to fully qualify you to be a saint, to be holy, and to have absolute access to every single promise in the word of God. Mm. Give me another slide just because we can. Colossians 1, 28, 29, a little recap. Him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Perfect in Christ. He says, we're coming against these false teachings that are trying to rob you. We're preaching him. Word perfect, teleos. The word teleos means brought to an end. Finished finished, wanting nothing necessary to completeness, to be perfect, to be full grown, to be adult, to be a full age, to be absolutely mature. When you come to Christ, you don't come as an infant. Well, you're just a baby believer. There's no such things as a baby believer. When you come to Christ, when you become in Christed, you are perfect in him. You are full age. You are given, you know, God's not going to say, well, I'll give you a little bit. Now get out there and try hard. And don't forget, the devil's out there. He's going to rob, steal, kill, and destroy. But I'm going to partly equip you as an infant. Go out there and do your best. Okay. Then you get the snot beat out and come back like, why did you partially equip me as a believer? God will never partially equip you. God fully, completely, totally equips you as a believer. The very life of God, the fullness of the Spirit, every bit of who He is. He doesn't give you a bit. He gives you Himself. He doesn't come in measure. He comes in fullness to every single believer. All right, give me another slide. It may, I love this Socrates and Plato. 500 BC, before Christ, here's two of the smartest guys known in the world at the time, and here's them reasoning with each other, and he says, it may be that deity can forgive sins. He says, but I don't see how. See, inside of every single man, there's a desire to be related with God. There's something in all of us that God has placed to be reconciled with him. And something in all of us cries out, I believe that God wants to forgive us. I think, I think it's there in God to do that, but I don't know how. And see, that's the mystery of everything. And that's where in Colossians, he says, the mystery, which was in ages past, the mystery, even the prophets, everybody cried out, I'm not sure how, but I believe God wants to reconcile us. I'm not sure how, but I believe that God wants to deliver us from sin and from shame and all these things. I believe God wants us to be in his family, but I don't know how. I'm not sure how he's going to do it. And you see, everybody looked in on salvation. They all prophesied about it. They all spoke about it in part, but they never saw the fullness of it. Nobody. But then Paul said, the mystery has now been revealed. The way he's going to do it, the way he's going to reconcile all things to himself, it's revealed. It's not a secret anymore. It's not a 25-step program. Here it is. Are you ready? Christ in you is the hope of glory. See, that's why Paul in this passage is saying all the other things you're trying to do, they're going to muddy it up. They're going to they're water it down. The only way that the gospel can, can be screwed up is to dilute it and bring mixture. And he says people are trying to mix stuff in with the gospel. If you mix it up, it's another gospel and it has no power because the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. What is the power of God, Pastor? Romans 1 says the gospel is the power of God unto salvation for all who believe. But when you add other stuff to it, you wonder why the gospel has no power. It's because we've added the gospel and, the gospel and, the gospel and. And we love to add stuff to the simple message. But when we do, we preach a different gospel that has no power. Give me another slide. There we go. Chapter 2, verses 9 to 10. For in Christ lives the fullness of God in human body. So you also are complete through your union. Say union. All right, you ready? Stay with me. You ready? Union with Christ. You ready? Union in him. You ready? Hello, Father. Hello, Son. Hello, Holy Ghost. I'm in absolute union with him. I am one spirit with God. I am in absolute, totally identified with him, not because of anything that I've done, but because I exercise faith in the gracious offer that he made to me that I got everything covered, just come. 
And when I aligned myself and I confessed that was true, it exploded in my life as a reality. Don't let anyone distract you. Don't. I have complete union with him. The word complete is pleureo. Sorry, pleuroo. Pleuroo is to fill to the top so that nothing shall be wanting to full measure, to render perfect and in every particular. Now, if one of those broken people on opioids, one of those broken people who's hooked in pornography, one of those broken people that's messed up with gambling or other vices or other things, totally broken and not full, if they come in here and they hear that Jesus is awesome, accept him, and then join our program of bringing your flesh under subjection see they come for a little bit and they they last for a little bit but then it's the same old stuff they were trying to do without god i was trying to beat myself into submission on my own i knew it was stupid but but i came to you and you said accept jesus and join us in a flesh beating program it doesn't work and if the church keeps preaching that message we'll never see london set free a couple people in the back row kind of excited and again, if you're feeling resistance, if you're feeling resistance, it's because, wow, why have I never seen this so clearly before? And you need to. You need to. It's because we've been beat over the head with other structures and systems to achieve union with Christ. And it's wrong. All right, complete. Give me another slide. Colossians 2.11 and two other versions. Ready? In him, you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands, but you yourself and yourself that was ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised in Christ. When was the flesh put off? When you were circumcised in Christ, when you accepted Jesus, when you came into him, the flesh was rolled away. The flesh man, the flesh man who has a bent towards the things of this world, the flesh man was put off when you came to him. But you see, we come to church and then we still go to seminars trying to deal with the flesh man. There's only one seminar to deal with the flesh man. You ready? Turn back and look at the death, burial, and resurrection with Christ. Turn your face back and stare at that reality. Confess that over yourself. Meditate on his goodness and the fact that he did everything. Continue to meditate on that fact and your flesh will never manifest its ugly head. Hello, Another, another same verse in another version. Ready? Christ has also taken away your selfish desires. Wow. Pastor, I got to deal with my selfish desires. Oh, Christ took them away. Just, just agree with that. That's it. That's it. Pastor's got to be more than that. I mean, they, they pop up their heart. Just say this with me. Christ has taken away my selfish desires. Yeah, but they're still there. No, 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 no. Say this with me. Christ. When does it take faith to say that? It takes faith to say that when your flesh is manifesting. Because, well, this sounds stupid for me to say that because I'm still struggling with this. Here's how you get rid of the problem. Christ has taken it away from me. That's how you deal with it. Well, that seems too uncomplicated. I thought I had to go and jump around, run around, do a bunch of stuff, fast, pray. I fast and pray because I love God. I don't fast and pray trying to get anything from God. I got everything already from God. That's why I fast and pray because I'm so excited. Hello, it's a whole different thing. Christ has also taken away your selfish desire just as circumcision removes flesh in the natural. All the men say, ouch. Just as that happens in the naturals. Same way. That nasty desire to do other stuff, the only way you can deal with it is to align yourself and confess over yourself, I am circumcised. I am a baptized believer and I've been set free from this stuff. It has no authority, no rule over my life. Amen. That's it, Pastor? That is absolutely it. And if you add anything else to it, you'll be in bondage the rest of your life. Give me another slide just because I'm sliding. Here we go. Don't get deceived. This was last week. Four areas. He said, don't get deceived. Don't let anybody cheat you. Don't let anybody judge you. Don't let anybody condemn you. See, because if we think that there's something we're trying to achieve that has not yet been realized, then we're all on a quest to get there. Here's the secret. Christ in you is the hope of glory. But if I don't receive that, if you say, Pastor, I don't agree with you today, then you have a different program. So you have a program where I believe we achieve it through certain things. Well, let's call those things what they are, works. So what work is enough? 
How much is enough? How much do I have to do to check off my little list and say, check, done that? And, and who judges whether I've achieved it or not? Who tells me whether I've actually achieved righteousness or not? And, and who's the one who made up the list? And, and where is the list I've got to obey to finally have satisfaction inside me that I am really in Christ? I mean, tell me, what do I have to achieve through me? Because if you tell me, I'll do it right now. Because we love to achieve stuff. We love to earn stuff. We love to say, well, I'm just a little bit better than you because I have achieved this. I don't do this. Really? Wow. Do you know that person, they're not quite righteous because they smoke still. Who cares? You just told me that they smoke, which is worse than the fact that they smoke. If we're keeping score, what you just did is worse than smoking. Like, who cares? And the fact that we're keeping score, the fact that we're looking at people going, hmm, what kind of a Christian are they? If they're a Christian, they're perfect. If they're a Christian, they're holy. If they're a Christian, they're blameless. If they're a Christian, they're absolutely the righteous. Oh, no, pastor, I saw them. I was going into Walmart, and I saw their car pull into the L-C-B-O. <laughs> but you know what? In a lot of ways, holiness is a personal thing. I'm addicted to cherry pie. I can't believe I said that. I'm really not. I renounce that in Jesus' name, you know. But man, you can get into all kinds of stuff. That's why it says don't let anybody judge you by what you eat or what you drink or any of that stuff. Don't let them deceive you. Don't let them cheat you. Don't let them judge you. Don't let them condemn you. And Paul was attacking all of these things that people added to Simple faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. Is anybody tracking with me at all? Three people, that's awesome. So what's Paul saying? What's he saying? He's saying, don't trade for the nonsense. Don't buy into it. He's saying, your union with Christ and him alone leads to completeness. You're full. Here's what you need to say. I am full. Whoa. The fact that you agree with the enemy that you're lacking in any way is what hinders you from maturity. Because you're already, that was right at the start. You could be like God, Adam. Eve, you could be like God. He's holding out for me. If you just eat this, you could be like him. I want to be like him. You mean that's what I got to do? Oh, I want to be like him. Eat this. <laughs> the truth is you're already full. The truth is you're already righteous. Anything that causes distance or in your mind in any way creates that I could be better. I, 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 any of that's from the pit of hell. And that's what hinders you from manifesting everything that God has done for you. I am complete. I am perfect. Oh, no, you're not, Pastor. You got angry once. I remember seeing it. Once? Are you kidding me? Oh, my God. Right after that, I was like, I am perfect. You know what it's hard to say you're perfect? When you did something that wasn't so perfect. But that's the program, folks. That's it. Thank you, Pastor. Give me another slide. Thank you. Colossians 2, 23b. How many have B's in their Bibles? 23b. 23b. If I say that, I mean the end of the verse. Okay? So where we left off last week, here was the end of the verse. He took all of those things, all the cheating and, and condemning and judging and all that stuff. He took it all and he summed it up by saying this. They provide no help in conquering your evil desires. They are no value against the indulgence of the flesh. They don't really have any power over our desires. Because that's really what we're here for, isn't it? I want to know how to be a better person. You can't be any better than you already are. You just need to align yourself and confess, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And the more you embrace the reality of your identity and the finished work of the cross, the more literally who you are starts to manifest. But you got to push out the lies that you're not there yet. Got to push it out. I bought a new car. Was it really my car? Absolutely. When I first got in it and drove it off the lot, did I pull up to stop? And the brakes grab and did all kinds of stuff? Yes. 
Was it still my car? Absolutely. But I'd never driven an electric car before, and I had no idea the brakes were so touchy. Anybody who gets in the car with me and they drive it, they do the same thing. It takes a while to figure out that this brake's really sensitive. And, you know, this brake is, you got to use it in a certain way because that brake is sending energy back to your batteries, but it's a really hard brake to master. It's really interesting how it works. Nonetheless, it's my brake, and nonetheless, it's mine, and I can master it. I'm taking this car back. I mean, my God, I must not be saved. Every time I try to do it, my whole life jerks around. I'm screwed up. I need extra help. No, you're in Christ. You really are. I don't know, Pastor. You know, the other day I had a bad thought about you. What? <laughs> well, that's definitely the devil. I mean, my God. <laughs> no value. None of it. Anything outside of Christ has zero value to bring into manifestation what God's already done for you. Say, isn't that nice? It's really, really true, too. Really true. It's, it's called good news. It's called the gospel. It's good, good stuff. All right, so all of it's done in Christ. Last week, we talked about the fact that you need to be rooted, you need to stay rooted, and you need to realize that if you're concerned at all and having any struggle, you need to confess, I've been rooted. So pretty neat, eh? Be rooted, stay rooted, been rooted. Make sense? Good, okay, we'll move on to the next one then. Here we go. So Paul's pattern of writing. We need to understand Paul's pattern of writing. We need to understand this. Are you ready? Number one, he always goes from indicative to imperative. Same thing, I'll say it again, theology to ethics. I don't necessarily like that one. Doctrine to duty, I'm not sure I like that one either, but it's a pattern of Paul's writing. Positional to practical, I like that a bit better. Positional to practical. Belief to behavior, that's interesting, it's just people get stuck on behavior. So they think, I go to church for my behavior modification program. We're all trying to be like Jesus. No, we all are like Jesus. It's that in your head thing that keeps it. you're not like Jesus, I'm not. You need to cast that one down, all right? Freedom. And responsibility. Responsibility is a scary word. Some of those words are scary because we get off on that treadmill of, I can do it, I can do it, I can do it. I can be more special than the rest of you. I can do it. In Christ, in the Lord. That's really good. If you use that pattern, you see Paul, when he says in Christ, it's positional. When he says in the Lord, it's a behavioral thing. Always. I like this one. You might not like it, but I like this one. Good news and good advice. The scriptures are good advice? Yeah, especially the one that says, slaves obey your masters. Is that good advice? It actually makes no sense today. In fact, I can't believe the Bible said that slaves obey your masters. The Bible should have obliterated slavery. So there's some things in the Bible that are good advice, maybe in their season, like women should sit and be silent and they shouldn't you know, be talking in church and they should have no authority over a man. La, 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 la. That was all in its context. That was all in its place. And it might have been good advice for the time, but it's not good doctrine. So there's a lot of other stuff that people take that's in the good advice category, and they make it New Testament laws. And they make a New Testament legalist system that the only way you get close to God is by making sure you keep every one of the good advice things done. And you know what? I found another good advice thing for you to obey. Okay, you need to understand that because we're stepping into the second part of this letter. That means we're going from the good news to the good advice. That means we're going from the indicative to the imperative. Indicative is a positional thing. Imperative is now, here's what you do now. But never get them mixed up. And you see, religion always gets them mixed up. Religion would start to preach the book of Colossians from chapter 3. And if you started preaching Colossians from chapter 3 without preaching chapter 1 and chapter 2, you could get people in a whole big mess. Smile. Whole big mess. Because <laughs> we love to look at this stuff. I want to find stuff to do. I want to find things that God tells me what to do. And so we'll skip the empowered part and try to do the work part. But you can't do the work part without the empowered part. And if you try to do this part without this part, you end up with religion, which people all over town have voted with their feet and they have said, I'm not coming. So we have to make sure that we understand the good news and we understand the good advice. Are you okay? I know some of you are just offended about the good advice thing, but trust me, it's okay. Just turn to your neighbor and say, get over it. Good. That was good. Thank you. All right, so we got that. Good, good. Bing, bang. Okay, let me read this. It's a long quote, but it's, from, it's this a woman, actually, Elise, uh, Elise Fitzpatrick. Very, 
a very incredible writer, open theologian, just amazing, said so many of us cavalierly gloss over what he has done and zero in on what we're to do. And that shift, though it might seem slight, makes all the difference in the world. Our obedience has its origin in God's prior action. And forgetting that truth results in self-righteousness, pride, or despair because you can't do it. Or you're pretending and you're a hypocrite because you're talking yourself into, I am doing it, even though if you're honest with yourself, there's some areas where you're not quite right. But it leads you into that, and you're rooted in the indicatives. Until you're rooted, you have to stay rooted in the indicatives. God calls you to become who you already are in Christ. And if you don't believe you're already that in Christ, you will put yourself on a treadmill of performance where you'll be either a player, and isn't that nice, or you'll be somebody who gets so desperate because you can't do it, and suddenly six months later, where did they go? Where is that person who just got baptized? You know what happens? The enemy lies to them, and he says, I thought you got baptized. I thought you dealt with that. Well, I didn't. Mustn't have worked for me. And they're honest with themselves, and they can't pretend like everybody else, so they just leave. Okay, that was happy, wasn't it? Tell me if you're happy. If you're happy and you know what, clap your hands. Thank you. Isaiah 61, verse 10. Look at this. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of rightnesses as a bridegroom decks himself out with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with jewels. Here's the prophet Isaiah declaring salvation. Somewhere in the future, God is going to fix this mess. And there's a day coming that he's going to get it all right. There's a prophet declaring it, hoping, looking into it. You know, this mystery, how's he going to do it? I don't know, but I'm telling you, I'm going to be clothed with his righteousness. Luke chapter 15, this parable is a beautiful parable. Meditate on it all the time, get all you can out of it. But it's where the prodigal son, when he left, and he took everything and, you know, he went and he blew it all and then he's in a pigsty and then he comes running back smelling like pig. And he said, they're going to come back and be my dad's servant. Hopefully my dad will just employ me. I just got to get out of this pig pen. I mean, that's the, he's the nicest person on the world that I know. And he'll at least show pity on me. Let me be a servant. He's rehearsing his story. Dad, let me serve you. Oh, let me serve you. And his dad's running towards me. He says, shut up. Get the best robe. Not even get my sons, the stuff that's hung in his closet, the stuff he left behind. Get the best robe. See, when God clothes you, he clothes you in the absolute best. You know, he didn't even get to utter all the stuff he wanted to say. The very fact that his face was turned back towards his father, his father said, you are absolutely restored. Totally clothed. Totally clothed. Now, why am I saying all this stuff? Because I'm going to get into the good advice part. I'm going to get into the imperatives. And if you're not on a thorough foundation of who you are in Christ, you could get yourself in a treadmill of performance if you get into this. Now, you ready? Are you ready? I think we're there. So let's go. Oh, I got one more. Ephesians chapter 4, 20 and 24. But you have not so learned Christ. Here's, here's Paul. Paul wrote this letter too. In prison, same time, same time period. So a lot of it's similar. He said, that's not the way you learn Christ. The performance stuff, all that, that's not the way you were taught Christ. The way you were taught Christ as the truth in Jesus that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust. And you've been renewed in the spirit of your mind and you put on the new man, which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. So he's saying, you weren't taught performance religion. You were taught Christ. You weren't taught striving to be accepted. You were taught Christ. You were taught when you come to him, the old is gone and the new has come. You were taught that you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. All things passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's what you were taught. And so this is what Paul's trying to teach. So the, it is very, very important that we get the doctrine right. So let's get, are you ready? We're at Colossians chapter three. Wow, pastor. All that was introduction? Yes. So good. Okay, here we go. We're good. It's going to happen pretty fast. Watch. If then, and if then, what does if then mean? If then means since. If then is not a conditional if. In the, in the Greek, this is not a conditional thing. Well, if you go to the store for me, I'll give you the keys to the car. That's not what it's saying. What he's saying is since you have been raised with Christ. Listen to me. Have you been raised with Christ? 
If you turned towards him and you said, what an amazing plan. I embrace you as my Lord and my Savior. There's no other way. There's no other plan. I cast aside all my, pr- my pride, my self-righteousness. I say, you alone can save me. And I embrace your desire to do it. Forgive me. Heal me. Free me. Thank you, Jesus. Right there, you've been identified with the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Boom. Look what it says. It says, and since you have been raised with Christ, seek the things which are above. Now, don't leave that out. Because we could go right to seek the things that are above, people. The reason you don't feel good about yourself and the reason that you are not experiencing all the great things of God is because you're seeking the wrong things. If you want to experience God's goodness, seek those things which are above. But you just left out the first part. Since you have been raised with Christ. What is that? I-N-D. That stands for indicative. The first two chapters were indicative. So he says, here's the indicative. (laughs) Indicative. (laughs) Are you okay? Are you all right? How many are having fun? All right, good, good. Tell me every once in a while you're having fun or I'll just quit. All right. The indicative. All right. Now, here's the imperative. Seek the things that are above. What is the imperative? You could even call it good advice. I know that offends some of you because you think it's way more than good advice. It's really not. Seek the things that are above. It's great advice. It really, really is. Seeking the things that are above that will make you more or less saved? No. But it will make you more or less understanding and then walking in the revelation of what you've already been given. So is it really important stuff? Absolutely important stuff. Will it get you closer to God? No, but it'll give you greater understanding how close you are. It's big, big difference. Well, isn't that saying the same thing? Not at all. It's not semantics. It's absolutely true. And the church screws it up all the time. Seek those things which are above where? Where Christ is seated. So guess what? There's things up there where Christ is seated that you need to be looking into. Set your minds. Better than minds, the word should be affection. Set your affections. Set your affections. Don't let anything else in the world have a greater demand on your affections than God himself. If something else, you have more passion towards anything else than God, that's just stupid. You don't really understand how amazing it is and how much, bam, you got him. He's your primary affection. It'll set your life in a beautiful place. Will it get closer to God? No, but you'll get a closer understanding of what you've got. Set your minds on things above, not on the things of the earth, for you have died. Why? Why should I do that? What is all this about? It's all about this. You have Die, just like that little boy said. How do you get to heaven? Die. How do you get heaven into you? Die. But there's a lot of people. I died, but now I'm striving again. Stay dead. Die. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So where are you? I'm in Christ, Father, Spirit, Son. Hallelujah. You guys are so awesome. I can't believe we're such good friends. I'm so glad that you made it possible for me to be here right now. You guys are awesome, by the way. Jesus, you need a shave. But hey, you're that close. And there's nobody closer than you. The minute we get closer, we've introduced a scale. And the minute you introduce a scale, you're eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Oh my goodness, Holy Spirit, this is really good teaching. Wow, okay. Let's go on. Romans 6, 6, just to interject right in the middle. Knowing that our old man is crucified with Christ, all right? That the body of sin might be destroyed. What happened to the body of sin? When you were in Christ, the body of sin was destroyed. But it's still manifest. Say to it, you're dead. Well, shouldn't I try to go take it to a modification program? No, here's the only program. Dead! Rise up, dead! (laughs) How do you keep it dead? Focus on Christ. Dead, and not only dead, but I love this, destroyed. Destroyed. Oh, you got a lot of garbage going on in your life. No, I don't, it's destroyed. Oh, you're you're not being honest with yourself. It's destroyed. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm in faith right now. Oh, well, what is faith? It's declaring those things that are not as though they were. That's what faith is. Faith is believing for the substance of what I don't yet see. But it's substantial. And I can bring it into manifestation. How? By faith. And a program that I went to really helped. It was only $7,000. But when you go, it's just so... Okay, that was good, Pastor. Go to the next one. 
chapter 6 of Romans again, for the death he died, he died for, to sin once and for just Pastor Carl. The rest of you have to seek your own death experience. You see, when you identify with his death, he died for you. What did he die to? Sin. And when? Once and for all. Well, why do we keep focus on sin all the time, Pastor? I don't know. I don't know. Because you know what? When you tell people they're sinners, you get results. When you tell people you're basically rotten and evil, I know, come to the altar, we're going to pray for you. All you evil people, all you people who screwed up this week, come, just as you are, filthy thing that you are, just as you come, come, bring your filth with you. How many know right deep down, some of us are addicted to self-loathing. Some of us are addicted to, I'm really not that good. Fortunately, I got dropped on my head when I was young. And when I got up, I went, I'm awesome. And nobody's been able to shake me from it ever since. And then I found somebody who agreed with me. I went to God. I said, hey, I love you. You're awesome. He says, you're awesome. I go, I've been saying that to people all my life. And you say it too? It must be right. Yes. I knew I was right. You are right. If you don't think you're awesome, that's wrong. You're not wrong. Because you're awesome. You're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. That's not what I say, folks. That's not even my interpretation. That's just a simple reading of the Bible. And if you say, I believe the Bible on purpose. No, you don't. You believe a conformity of what you've believed in your life. And you're making it all fit your little boxes. Because you've refused to give up your toys. Because what do I do now? You're free, for goodness sake. Just trust Jesus. It's actually wonderful. Once and for all. So what do you got to do? Consider yourselves dead to sin. So how do you deal with sin? Well, just, you know, maybe get an accountability group. Yeah. Maybe talk to three or four other guys that are watching porn and say, crap, I watched porn again. You did? Oh, you stupid idiot. Oh, let's, let's confess and let's repent and let's try to crawl back into God's grace. You ready? God, we're really sorry. Father. Son, Holy Ghost. Oh, did they leave when you watched porn? No, they were right there. And because you know that you're now focused on him, you're going like, I'm subjected you guys to this stuff, eh? Yeah, pretty stupid, isn't it? Yeah, because you're dead to sin. I am dead to sin. I'm dead to sin. I'm dead to sin. He died to sin once and for all, and I'm dead to sin. So the word consider yourself, the word consider yourself means if, if you have a bank book that says $35 in the book, then guess what there is in the bank? $35. So you reckon that what's in your book is the same as what's in the bank. So here's what the Bible says, the Word of God says. He died to sin once and for all, so reckon yourself dead. If he says you're dead to sin, then you have to say, I totally agree with that. So what he said and what I am are absolutely the same. I reckon so. Absolutely, forensically the truth. Are you okay? I'm trying to have fun up here. All right, consider yourself dead to sin but alive to God. Let's move on. Let's move on. We got to do this. Martin Luther, this is the truth of the gospel. It is also the principal article of the Christian doctrine. Whereas the knowledge of all goodness consists is most necessary. It is, therefore, that we should know this article well, teach it unto others, and beat it into their heads continually. I just had to read that to you. Because sometimes as a pastor, you just want to beat people in their heads. <laughs> okay, I read that. Let's go on. Okay. Here we are. God, Neil T. Anderson, God has not given us power to imitate him. He's made us partakers of his nature so that we can actually be like him. You don't become a Christian by acting like one. We are not in a performance or on a performance basis with God. That was good. I thought I'd show that too. Back to Colossians. We're going to get this done. Say, come on, pastor. It's a long weekend. Throw me a bone. Okay, here it is. When Christ who is your life appears, you see, and, and this is a reality now, when Jesus comes, the reality of it will be fully manifest to you in, in his glory. So put to death, therefore, what is in the earthly in you. So here's some of the things. This is not an exhaustive list. He's not trying to cover every item. He's just saying, for instance, here's some of the stuff that you can put to death. Are you ready? Sexual immorality. Impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath, the wrath, the wrath of God is coming. 
The wrath of God never comes on believers. Study it out. In these, you too once walked. So I'm not saying you're walking in it now. He's saying these are the things that you used to walk in when you were living in them. If you're still walking in them, consider yourself dead. Focus on the finished work of the cross. Don't focus on a guilt and recovery program. Focus on faith in what he did in your behalf. And you'll get free. Give me another slide. We're moving rapidly. But now you must put them all away. Here, we'll give you some more stuff. You ready? Anger's not good. Wrath's not good. Malice, slander, obscene talk. Put that away. Come on. Some of you let some four-letter words sip into your stuff. I've seen it. It's terrible stuff right there. Some good advice for you. Stop it. All right? Obscene talk from you. Don't lie to one another. That's just stupid. Seeing that you have seen what? That you're going to put off? No, seeing that you have put off the old self and its practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge. So why isn't the new self dominating? Because you need to get renewed in the knowledge of how to use the brake pedal. Being renewed in the knowledge after the image of his creator, here there is not Greek or Jew or circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, free. He's taking a whole list, of, not a massive list, but he's trying to say of every ethnic, racial group, all things, whoever it is, I'm telling you, for every single person on the earth, it's one plan. Christ is all and in all. It's all Christ. Here's another one. You ready? Put on, then, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. What are we? Holy and beloved. Chosen ones of God. Put on. Here's some good advice. You ready? Compassion. Compassion of hearts. Kindness. Humility. Meekness. Patience. Bearing with one another. Bearing with one another. Some of you are bearing with me right now. I'm really bearing the pastor right now. But you know what? That's a good thing. That's a fruit of the Spirit. Bearing with me. Come on. Bearing with the pastor is a good thing. If you have a complaint against another, stop hanging out with them and run away. No! If you've got a real complaint against another one, forgive each other how as the lord forgave you how is that completely thoroughly and without any list of wrongs or complaints you totally thoroughly forgive and embrace them because that's what you do when you're walking in the spirit you also must forgive and above all these put on the girdle of love i've never worn a girdle but it pulls stuff together right so you know what? Here's the best way. If you, if you just want to wrap it all up, if you just want to say, how can I just kind of one-step program? You ready? Love! If you want to wrap it all up, what's it all kind of, what's it all get wrapped up together in love? Wrap it all up in love, which binds everything together in perfect <laughs> love. Well, I love you, but I don't really like some of the stuff you do. That's not love. That's judgment. Love. Okay, give me the next one. I'm just reading the Bible. I hope you get that. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. To indeed you are called one body. Let the peace of God literally means be the umpire. All right? So the umpire's there. They throw the ball. He goes, strike! Somebody else is making the calls on what's going on. So let the peace of God be the umpire. Real simple stuff. You ready? If you got no peace, there's something wrong. If you got peace... It's good. If you got a seared conscience and you have peace, stop it. Because if you think, no, I got peace. I'm, I, I got peace with this. Yeah. It's just a little fornication. I got peace with that. No, you got a seared conscience. You, you're not realizing that's not good. And honestly, deep down, you really realize it. And the way to deal with it is reckon yourself dead. And embrace the righteousness of Christ. All right, that was good. Thank you, Pastor. Say thank you, Pastor. Wow, I just felt that one, didn't you feel? Here's another one. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. How many times does that phrase, word of Christ, exist in the New Testament or in the Bible altogether? How many times does it show up? Let me tell you, once. And it's right there. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Teaching, admonishing, and singing to one of their songs, hymns. How many got impacted and admonished by a song today? Things that were sung touched you. Things that were done did you. I think it's beautiful that you can buy the arts and the word and things happen. Are you ready? Pastor, you're coming to a fast conclusion. Yes, I am. With thanksgiving in your hearts to God. What is the word of Christ? Well, it's the Bible. They didn't even have the Bible then. It doesn't say the law. That didn't, if they wanted to say the law, he would have said the law. But he said the words of Christ. Let me just give you quickly a parallel in Ephesians was, let the Spirit of God completely fill you and sing to one another psalms, hymns, spiritual gifts. I think it could be similar. Here we go. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. What does that mean? If you're doing anything in the name of the Lord, what are you doing? You're doing it in the power of God. 
You're releasing the power of God in your experience. Everything you do, do it in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God your Father through Him. Everything you do is done in His power and for His glory. Come on, stand up with me. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, if you're here today, you wandered in and you don't know Jesus, you need to know Him. And if, you're, if you've never made that transaction where you said, I believe that what he did on my behalf totally frees me, forgives me, and restores me to my Father. I believe that with all my heart. If you've never done that, you can do that today. You can, and you'll be absolutely restored to him. You'll get the keys to the car. You'll get his checkbook. You'll get the whole thing, because literally, you're complete in him when you make that decision. You're complete in Christ. You're not complete in your efforts. You're complete in Christ once and for all. If you've never done that, but you want to, I want to pray for you before you go. So really simply, right now, just your head's bowed, eyes closed, all right? Listen, I'm just talking to you. And if you've never done that, you know that. And you feel like, I need to do that. If you've never done it, but you want to, right now, I just want you to put your hand up. You ready? One, two, three, bang. Just put your hand up right now. Lift it up high so I can see it. Anyone? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? Okay, you can put your hands down now. Thanks. Just pray with me. Everybody's going to pray, so you pray too. Just pray out loud. Lord Jesus, thank you for your death, for your burial, and for your resurrection. I receive your life. I declare that I am forgiven, that I am healed, and that I am free. I confess you as my Lord. I confess you as my Savior. Holy Spirit, come and fill me now. Flood me with the nature of God. Testify with my spirit that I am a child of God. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. That's really great. Somebody might chat with you before you go if you had your hand up because we really want you to not just make a decision but really unpack all the wonderful things that are ours. Hey, you did good. Didn't you do good? Say, Pastor, you kept me a little longer again. Can you forgive me? Okay, two people can. The rest of you are going to walk in bitterness. I know it. <laughs> Father, bless this house. Bless each and every one. Thank you for them. I am so blessed to have so many great friends. And Father, I pray that they would have such an awesome weekend. And bless our whole house. Everyone enjoying vacation and where they are. Bless our house. Enrich it. And we just command all the blessing to you. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Amen. God bless you. Have an awesome day.